And we are back with Energy Week podcast, Ryan Ray, alongside the good doctor herself, Dr. Ellen Wald. Dr. Wald, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Better than oil prices, right? <laughs> yeah. Those pesky oil prices that can't go where anyone hoped they would go. I saw an interesting statistic on, I think it was LinkedIn the other day. Someone showed the average price. I can't remember the eras now, but essentially the average price they showed um, indicated that over, I'm going to say since 70, maybe since 80, I can't remember, but they had the, the eras and all the, the average price of oil did was just basically stay the same. It went like $10 per barrel. But yeah. I'm sure if you adjust it for inflation, that's probably basically the same price. And it was kind of, it's kind of interesting to see that despite all the highs and lows, the, the average price, again, I was, I didn't adjust for inflation, but I'm sure if you did, it'd be pretty much the same price as it, it has been historically. And that, that was a, an interesting, interesting perspective on oil prices, which are currently sub 70, uh, sub, sub, sub 80. So, sub, yeah, uh, I think Brent is like, uh, yeah, Brent's like 78. 79 and WTI is like 75. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we've got to get them up to average those 90 prices for the year that people predict. I know. However, we're going to like these banks with their calls, like, my God, mm-hmm. China, China is just not doing its part. Almost, almost like people knew that, but okay. All right. Let's get into it. Speaking of China, China's mixed economy data fuels concern about recovery. Mm-hmm. Who's concern? <laughs> yeah. Bloomberg. Bloomberg's concern. <laughs> the economic Bloomberg's recovery remains patchy. Patchy. That's a good word. That's a good word. I like that. Patchy. Patchy. Latest indicators pointing to a contraction in manufacturing. So it seems like consumer market is still pretty good, right? Consumers splurge over the holidays. So consumer stuff is going well, right? Everyone is looking at air travels like, ooh, everyone's traveling all over China. Um, housing market it says housing market continues to rebound, but the industrial sector is not doing good. What I'm really uh, oh, here's another term I like lopsided. Mm-hmm. I like that Probably word. There. Lopsided. So here's one of the questions that I have, and and I wrote about this in my investing.com column last week. Is um, you know, for, first of all, can we trust? this information? Like what exactly are these indicators? Can we trust this data? And then the second is, you know, is, is this something that China can, can um, deal with domestically? Can they pump up the economy? Can they, you know, can they, can they put money in and, and, you know, can they have some sort of plan to get their manufacturing back on track or, or whatever it is? Or is this an indication that globally China is just not getting the the orders from global customers and there's really nothing that the government can do? Well, they only anticipated a 5%, I say only, they anticipated a 5% rebound. I mean, if you look at historical Chinese growth numbers, 5% is not necessarily something to write home about. Uh, and so... This piece here says the world's second largest economy expanded at the fastest pace in a year last quarter, with economists expecting growth this quarter to be even stronger. Several major banks raised their annual growth forecasts to about 6% or higher, expecting to outperform Beijing's target of 5 which is weird because it seems that we're saying on one level that the economy, from a consumer standpoint, is, is doing okay, which... Consumer demand is going to be tied eventually to job growth and 
right? So if manufacturing is, you're saying suffering, but consumers doing well, at some point the consumer needs jobs to keep that demand up. Unless, unless I'm missing the connection there, right? Yeah, unless the like people, unless, I mean, I think there's something to say in like the post-COVID like recovery thing is that consumers just kind of spend they're like, oh yeah, there's like there's all this pent up consumer demand, so people are just like buying stuff and going places and going to restaurants, and then, but like, that's you know, but then that doesn't last, right? right. So then, like, if they don't have jobs, then yeah, who's doing the, you know, where are they getting the money to the spending? The government just gonna say, like buy. Is this the case? Remember when Bush after the terrorist tax was like it's it's patriotic to go out and like buy stuff to mm-hmm. try to make sure mm-hmm. that the economy didn't tank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure if it does go from 5%, they do hit 6%. It, I, I guess I'm not clear. Are we saying that we think they're at 5% now and it's going to go up to 6%. So the projection was five for Beijing. And according to this article, some are put the forecast to six. Um, so are they saying that we are hitting five now and it's going to get better? And if we're hitting five now and oil prices are down still, then will six do anything for that? I'm, I'm a little confused over how to read that forecast change. Yeah, I, yeah, that's a really good question i that's why i wonder like what's the what's the point of the forecast is it that china like what yeah that's really really weird i don't quite get that um <laughs> the chief economist at pinpoint asset management limited said these mixed signals will likely keep the pressure on the government to continue its support of fiscal and monetary policies so basically they're like well it's doing okay we think it's okay but they're not sure. So really it's just going to mean that the government's going to keep pushing money into the economy. Well, that's going to happen for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. But, um, so it says the manufacturing PMI index fell to 49.2 from 51.9 in March. The first time since December, it was below the 50 mark, which single, which signals a contraction. And that's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. Are are we thinking, um, a non a non-manufacturing index activity in the services and construction sector slid to 56.4 from 58.2, suggesting still strong expansion in those industries as consumer spending and government expenditure rose. Hmm. So it, it's yeah, it's it's almost as if the the manufacturing portion is in contraction mode, and mm-hmm. but the consumer is not because it's above 50, but it's falling. Yeah. I guess they're predicting it won't fall below that magical 50 number and the manufacturing won't fall low enough to keep the rest of the economy afloat. I don't know. There's something or they just haven't like incorporated this data into their forecast yet. Yeah. Or they I'm thinking, know. I'm thinking that we're seeing what we're seeing is a co- post COVID restriction, like a post COVID rebound in consumption. Consumers want to do all the stuff that they weren't allowed to do during COVID restrictions. But the manufacturing PMI index seems to be all about, it says new sub-indexes for new orders, new export orders and manufacturing employment were all below 50. 
So they're not hiring people or they're laying people off maybe. I don't know if that's contraction, new export orders. So it does seem like this is uh, the global economy is coming for like issue is coming to China. So my guess is that if they're not going to be employing people, unless the government just keeps giving money to people to spend on consumption stuff, we're going to see those consumption numbers go way down. Yeah. And then, of course, the more the government. And then oil will just. Right. <laughs> Sorry, that was not a very nice noise <laughs> to make a podcast. Oil will go down. Oil will we'll continue to go down. Well, yeah. But even if you just tease this out a little bit further, if the global economy is slowing down more or continues to slow or whatever we're, we're thinking, and the government pumps the economy full of money, that doesn't fix the problem. I know we think we can print money at will, but that doesn't fix the problem. It only makes the Chinese economy more unstable moving forward. So even, yeah, so I don't know. seems like there's, there's choppy yeah. waters ahead. The biggest problem, though, if it causes oil prices to go down, is that that's going to impact investment because we need more oil. Like it's just going to mean that once this cycle, this downturn or whatever is over, that there's not going to be enough oil. Yeah, I guess there's a magic number, though, theoretically, where oil prices will go down. Um, and I'm not saying like 40, but maybe. 62, just pick a random number, in which that helps ramp up demand because it becomes cheap enough to make it worthwhile. So, but maybe not. I don't know. We got the interest rates that are high now, too. So we'll see how all of that plays out, I suppose. Speaking of declines, gas, but according to Gas Buddy, decline in retail gasoline prices is gaining momentum. So. Gaining momentum means it's going to continue to go down, right? Down. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think that's what they're saying. It's it's going to get low prices lower. are going lower. They're gaining momentum heading downhill. Yeah. Which is, which is good for consumers. Yeah, but it's interesting. So a recent decline in retail level gasoline prices should start to accelerate. Though they're saying that as long as crude oil prices are still going down. At least I think that's what they're saying. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting. Yeah, that's what Patrick Dehan says. So he's saying, he's saying we saw a big drop in national, the national average oil prices, mostly I think oil prices. It says oil prices have come under additional selling pressure alongside wholesale gasoline prices, giving retailers room to pass on the lower prices, room to pass on. Sorry. So people are actually, so gasoline prices are going down. Remember that whole like like hullabaloo when oil prices were going up and, and everyone's like, the gas, you know, gasoline prices are rising so fast. How come when oil prices go down, the price doesn't drop the, the same way it rises? Well, here it's dropping. <laughs> like it's dropping. It's just that that doesn't, you don't feel it. You still like, I think a lot of people still feel like gasoline prices are too high. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 361 is not terribly expensive, but it's, it's not just, it, you know, none, none of this is in a vacuum. So it's not just that gasoline prices are high. You have other consumer goods are high. I mean, I know um, at least locally bacon at Costco has gone down a lot because uh, my wife really? talks about the Costco bacon prices. 
I'm like, okay, cool. And so, but other things mm. are still expensive. And so you are like seeing milk and eggs. <laughs> yeah, right. And so even though you might save money on bacon, milk and eggs or whatever it might be, it's, it's still high. And so you have gas prices that are high and you have food prices that are high. And so, I mean, I'll give you a, a real example. Um, <clears throat> my wife uh, does, they, the kids get Chick-fil-A on Thursdays. It's optional, but they can order it and have it delivered to the school more or less. And she kind of coordinates that. I can't remember the exact numbers, but I think it was a 30 piece nugget when she first started doing this like two years ago. It was like 13 bucks and now it's like 22 or something like that. And so, you know, it's gone up like a tremendous amount. And and so is a 30 piece nugget ne- ne- uh, necessary for life? No, but you can just see how yeah. even though the gas price might go down, if you were used to doing that once a month or whatever, you can't do that because of yeah. the, so there's, there's the prices aren't across the board down. Um, and I think we talked on the show before about some of the medicine shortages and stuff like that and yeah. some of those prices. So um what's interesting is so so at least they're saying that um some refineries are coming back online from spring maintenance. I didn't know we did spring maintenance, I know we did fall maintenance, but apparently we do spring maintenance too. So um so we're talking about putting more gasoline on the consumer market, but um it's not like necessarily good news for the refiners and our refining situation in this country is pretty tight. So um and then there's the diesel situation, which is not discussed in this article, but I know that Gasbody has been talking about it a lot on Twitter about like what's going on with diesel. But apparently we've been seeing declines. I mean, you probably know better because that's what you put in your car. But um, but um, apparently we've been seeing declines in, in diesel for quite a while. So um, I guess that's. Good news. What I'm actually would be more interested in, maybe we'll get some news on this when the EIA numbers come out, is what does diesel consumption look like? Because I'm thinking about when um, we talked to uh, Dr. Foreman about um, diesel consumption and how that's an indicator, not just of like people who drive trucks and things, but it's also a major um, thing, like agriculture uses a lot of diesel and and other you know uh, industry and manufacturing and so i'm wondering if the decline in diesel prices if it's really we're just making up for that big jump that we had because of the whole like ukraine fiasco can't get diesel to the east coast kind of thing or if it's a sign of trouble economically yeah so i'm not sure I, i i did see a chart on this the other day um just a quick search from john kemp this is about two months ago so uh, this is March 1st. I can't find anything quicker on a quick search, but it says uh, U.S. diesel consumption falls as economy slows. And he says that uh, the volume of dissolute fuel will support supply to the domestic market, market approximately. This is a bunch of words. Anyways, it averaged 3.7 million barrels a day in 2022. And then the volume of dissolute supplied was down from 4 million barrels a day in the same month a year earlier, the slowest for that time since 2012. So it looks like diesel is um not not in demand like you would want it to be hmm. so that's not a good sign. so that's i mean these are, it's so weird because like everyone's like oh well we're not really sure we've got mixed signals about the economy i'm not so sure we're having mixed signals anymore it seems like most of the signals are bad <laughs> i mean we had gdp numbers last week that were not very good we have employment numbers last week that were not very good oil prices are like weak they can they can't even say 
at 80. Um, and that's like, and, and we all thought we were going to have serious supply issues, but instead it seems like we're having consumption issues. China is, China's having issues with, you know, manufacturing for export. I mean, isn't this what we expected to happen at some point? Well, some of us might have expected, expected it, but others thought it was possible to skip this process. Skip the downturn. Skip yeah. The downturn. Just skip it. Well, I mean, we've it, got it, really high interest rate. I mean, we've got higher interest rates now. Um, inflation is like kind of slowed, but we're still like, I mean, I don't know. I think it's all time. I think it's time for us to like pull out our old clothes and do a like Jimmy Carter malaise redux, right? Late seventies. Here we come. Mm. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hope it lasts like six months or five months or four yeah. months. Hopefully it's, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay. Let's see here. Let's go to our friends in Russia. Uh, first shipment of Russian oil to Pakistan brokered by China scheduled for May. Okay. Now I know we have another. Page. I have to apologize because I, when I first went to this article, it was not paywalled, but now it seems to be paywalled. So it is paywalled. Um, I'm sorry. It does. It's okay. Because it does tie into kind of um, a little bit about our next piece about um, the currency. and, and, and yeah. how it's going. I mean, Russia sending oil to Pakistan brokered by China. Does that headline really send shockwaves to you when you read it? No, but do you want to know what, what I really liked about this? What's that? Unfortunately, it's the quote is below the paywall, but I tweeted it earlier. So I'm just going to go call up my tweet. I will maybe post that in the show notes. Quote, the USA may also have given tacit support to this deal as crisis hit Pakistan remains a key arms supplier to Kiev. Mm. I like that. So, mm. so Pakistan, which is having serious trouble keeping the lights on because it can't afford natural gas shipments of LNG because Europe ate them all up and is basically going back to using coal if it can and has had widespread like national blackouts since before December is selling is is manufacturing weapons or is buying weapons and selling them to Ukraine. So the U.S. is like, yeah, China, go ahead, sell Russian oil to to Pakistan. You arrange it. You know, we'll look the other way because Pakistan is selling weapons to Ukraine. I mean, what? Like, come on, what world are we in? Do we want to stop Russia from selling oil or not? No, I think we, we don't. No, we don't. I don't think we actually care. Well, we don't. We can't. So there's those are both. Yeah. So it's it's just, it's just a way for us to like, I feel like it's a way for I think that like the more sanctions and like weird policy crap we can do, it's just a way for like US, you know, for these like nameless bureaucrats to have their hands on like the dials and they can be like, ah, okay, well, you're doing something that's good for us. So we're gonna allow, you know, we're gonna turn this this thing and press this button to allow this oil shipment to you. It's just, it's like I was saying about China and EVs. I think that China wants people to buy EVs and use them because they have a lot better, they can better control like whether you can go somewhere, whether you can drive somewhere because they can control the electricity supply. 
same thing. The more like restrictions you put on, even if you don't like necessarily enforce them, it gives you levers of control. This is it. They're like, oh, Pakistan, you're doing something that's good for us. So here, we're going to look the other way while China sends you Russian oil. Yeah. I feel like it's a video game. Speaking, okay, yeah. It, it, yes. <laughs> I don't necessarily disagree with um, some of those p- posturings that, that are happening. And and that's kind of why I said it ties into the next article, which is talking about, you know, the petrodollar and, you know, can the greenback survive and, and all this. And it's interesting. They use a picture of Brent Ole in Hong Kong, I believe, from, it says uh, March 9th of 2022 at Brent at 129, uh, $129.22. I'm curious. Let's just tease this out for half a second here. If company, if companies, if countries are going to exit the petrodollar, uh, theoretically, they're not going to trade their own currency. Um, does it? Does the price being high, low, average? Does that change when they might want to do this alleged switch that they're going to make? Um, yeah, I think it definitely does, except that I don't think there is ever going to be a switch. I think this is like another thing that they just like to talk up and that the Saudis like to use as like a threat against the Americans be like, oh, well, we could just, you know, not sell oil in dollars. And like, like that's when um, Mohammed Jadan said that the Saudis were considering pricing its oil sales to China in yuan. Mm. It's like, no. They're not because the real is is pegged to the dollar. And they can't unpeg because they will have massive runaway inflation in Saudi Arabia. So they have to stay pegged to the dollar. Aramco does all its business in dollars. I know that they like report their earnings in reals and all that, but like they say this and they're like, so they're gonna, they're considering pricing as oil sales to China and Yuan. I'm sure that they do sell some oil to China in Yuan. Mm-hmm. I am sure that it is not the vast majority of their oil sales. I mean, they have these, they have big contracts. They have big, you know, term, like long-term contracts. I'm sure that that is not priced in Yuan. It's priced in dollars because the Saudis want to know what the value is. And Yuan changes. Sure, they'll sell some oil to China in Yuan, and then they'll probably just keep it in Yuan to use when they're like doing stuff in you know, Aramco will just keep it in Yuan or whatever to use for when they're like paying Chinese contractors or, or whatnot. I, I think like there's definitely a lot of trading that's going on of oil in non-dollar denominated currencies, but that doesn't mean that the Saudis are going to totally go away from it. I, they can't. I mean, imagine what happened if they depeg their currency. from they, they have to depeg their currency and that would be a whole, that would not be good for their country. Yeah, and I guess it would depend on when they're if they're selling a barrel of oil uh, to uh, and using the yuan. Is that strictly tied to the value of the yuan, or is it tied to the value of the dollar and the yuan? Right. And so, if you said, um, "I'm going to sell you something." Um, you know, for, for a, a yuan, okay, great. Then that's just whatever the exchange rate is. But if you said, well, you know, whatever the exchange rate between the dollar and the yuan is, is actually how we determine how many yuans you pay us, then you mm-hmm. really haven't done anything different. You just took the currency in a different form. So you, you see what I'm saying? So if you're just saying, yeah. 
and so if you're saying, well, yeah, what's up to yuan? But the yuan is going to be tied. The value of the yuan has to be tied to the value of the dollar, and therefore we're not losing. You know, because yeah. if the yuan gets extremely devalued, and you said, well, you know, instead of giving, you know, selling it to you at you know, 200 yuan, you really need to pay us 800 yuan because that's how much we get in dollars. Then mm-hmm. they're not really getting rid of that discrepancy there. Yeah, exactly. They're just yeah, exactly. So I think that like everyone is happy to like play around a little bit with it because also, you know, but I don't think that it's suddenly like just gonna, gonna happen. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. I think that like this article is interesting because it kind of like runs through the, like what would happen. Um in 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 a way like it's mm-hmm. like he had, and he mentions in it that the Middle East continues to rely on well-known global dollar benchmarks. Mm-hmm. So you know it'd be really really difficult. Um, so I, I don't know. I think it's very very interesting. I do think that like the whole Russia basically like they're basically like like pushing off Russia into a different block. I definitely think that that leads to more sales of oil, you know, in that that don't that aren't done in dollars. Like I'm sure that Russia and and China are just, you know, selling their oil and whatever in, in rubles and, and yuan, and that's just the way it is. Um and so I'm sure that it's there's more of that, but you have to be really careful because a lot of these currencies are not as stable as the dollar and they fluctuate a lot. And you also have to remember that when you know, when, when things like, like when the dollar is devalued, like is devalued, then they want to sell, they need a higher price for oil to get as, to get more dollars. Does that make sense? Or like to get enough of their currency. So it's like, I I don't know. I mean, I've always found the whole like foreign exchange thing, very confusing. Like in my mind, I have to like, keep like thinking all of this through every time. Um, and I think, I think most think people power, are very focused on the the international, the the like political international policy implications of it, as opposed to like whether it's possible logistically. Well, and I think the the power dynamics change too. So if if um, Zimbabwe, to pick a country, is trying to demand that the Saudis take their currency, right? The Saudis <laughs> probably would laugh and say, "No, we want it in dollars." Yeah. Um, with the Chinese, they might constru- construct a deal that will take the Chinese currency, uh, but demand that the that the ratio that they get is tied to the value of the dollar or something yeah. else. Um, yeah. It wouldn't make sense for the Saudis. And I don't know what the exchange rate between the dollar and the yuan is right now. Um, assuming that the dollar is stronger um, or is traditionally stronger, they would be foolish of them to not tie the the value of the yuan to the dollar so they could get the same amount as they would in dollars or at least near that. Uh, and so I, I suspect, again, I don't see these contracts, but I suspect that's probably a lot closer to what's actually happening versus straight um, trade in yuan to uh, to ruble or whatever the, the, the currency yeah. is. So, okay. Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, last article for the day. U.S. government may delay decision on electric vehicles biofuel program. The U.S. government could delay a decision on giving EV manufacturers tradable credits under a renewable fuel scheme due due to concern about legal challenges to the plan. 
two sources familiar with the matter said. Okay. Can we discuss the fact that like they were going to do this? Like I'm not really so interested in like the delay, which is of course annoying, but is so mm -hmm. characteristic of the Biden administration. But like, wow, I didn't know that they were going to give renewable fuel credits for using for for EVs. And then I'm like, like it's so so confusing because. Like, I don't understand what, how are they using biofuels? These are EVs. Mm. They don't run on gasoline. So where's the ethanol? Like the, the renewable fuel standard, you, so basically you have like, okay, basically in the US, there's a rule that says we have to mix a certain total amount of ethanol with a total amount of gasoline in, in the United States. And if we're not going to use that much gas and, and that number gets higher in, in every year basically and because there was the idea that we were always going to be consuming more gasoline so we should always need more ethanol so that we can keep the amount of ethanol in gasoline at a fairly stable number we can't go above 10 percent because that'll totally destroy a lot of internal combustion engines unless you have a flex fuel car which you can accept like e15 which is like 15 percent ethanol um so, which not a lot of people have. And apparently you're not even allowed to sell E15 during the summer, except the Biden administration is allowing it because this year, because gas prices are high, which we just discussed is not really the case, I guess. But because um, apparently they, E15 makes more smog, but then actually studies show it doesn't. Anyway, <laughs> that aside. So it's it's I'm kind of confused about like, where's the... Um, like where's the renewable fuel going here? So if you don't um, mix as much ethanol into your gasoline, then you need to buy like credits basically to like exempt that, which is kind of funny because when gasoline consumption started going down, people were like, um, we're not making enough gasoline. We can't mix this amount of ethanol because that would bring us to above 10%, which, car, which we can't do. So they were like, well, just buy more credits because the ethanol manufacturers need to want to sell their ethanol. Like they need to know that they can sell their ethanol because the corn lobby in the US is powerful. So you basically, it would it force refineries to buy renewable fuel to buy credits that to allow them not to use ethanol <laughs> or essentially to not use ethanol. It's, it's crazy. So what I don't understand is like, okay, so they were trying to allow, they were trying to, they were going to give EV manufacturers these credits for using electricity generated from renewable fuels. So you, so if a, if a EV manufacturer uses wind power, then they get X number of renewable fuel credits that they can then sell to these refineries mm -hmm. that have to buy them because they can't use all the ethanol. I'm sorry, but is that like totally fucked up? Like there's, where's the ethanol? Where's the biofuel in all of this? Right. Yeah, I'm just like so confused. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a, um, it's a complex. I don't track. even know what to write in the notes. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I find this so bizarre. Yeah, that is, that is, I'm not sure exactly. My first thought was it had to do with the, the hybrids, as you mentioned. That would, you know, you had biofuel, um, some kind of hybrid thing. But if it's something more akin to that, that would be extremely confusing, ripe for corruption, and, you know, a complete disaster. So, 
I'm sure it's what we'll do because that's that's normally how those things go. Um, hmm. So what, when do we get a ruling on this? Do we know? Oh, never, apparently. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the people who are going to make the ruling realize that it's like totally crazy and doesn't make any sense. And that's why they're postponing it. Or they're going to like postpone it until like, I mean, like, my God, you can't postpone it that long. 2024 is around the corner and then nobody does anything because we're in an election year. Right. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Are we Maybe. really coming up on another election, presidential election? Can I like stick my head into the sand until it's over? I do. Not, I, I think I still have um, PTSD from the last one. I got PTSD from like the last four. Yeah. <laughs> oh gracious! Oh yeah, yeah. We do. We do have one. I guess. When does campaign season really ramp up into this year? Uh, yeah, I think. I mean, people are starting to decline. I think it's starting now. Like. I mean, you Biden just said he's going to run for re-election, right? Mm-hmm. You've got this other guy, Robert Kennedy Jr. He's mm-hmm. all out there. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the Democrats said they're not having any debates. I haven't heard is anyone else declare going to run. Um, the Republican side, I think, has anyone declared? I have no idea. Yeah, Trump. I mean, Trump has. Trump, uh, yeah. I don't know if DeSantis has officially declared. Or no, not. but apparently they like Florida had to like change its like rules to allow him to run while he's still governor. I don't know, something like that. No, mm. I don't know. Yes, that will be. I, uh, we yeah. will have months of terrible. I would like promises. to be frozen and go into like a cryogenics until it's up. like I just it was so miserable last time. Oh gosh, again. Yeah, 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 yeah. If we have a uh, Trump Biden <laughs> again. Oh my God. Oh my God. How many elections can we have 80? Can we just say that, like, if you're over 80, you can't run again? <laughs> oh my God. If it's Trump Biden again, yeah, I might have moved to another country. Or, like, what do they call it? Like, I'm going to like take a sabbatical. Take a, take a, yes. Yeah. I'll- I might take one as well if it's Trump Biden again. Oh, gracious. So, yeah. Well, and I'm not saying that for like one side or the other. I just like, does anyone in this country want to do that again? I don't think anyone wants to do it again. I think I you're going to be disappointed. Anyway, what does it mean for oil? What does it mean for oil? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. you know, Trump's going to promise somehow to get us off of foreign oil again, which he can't do. Yeah. Biden is going to threaten to kill. Get them. rid of oil altogether. So it's again, it's just it's just probably not good for either side. So, yeah. Oh, gracious. Well, we'll be here to cover it all with with rose colored glasses. So. Yeah. Until then, Dr. Wald, where, where will you be this week? This week, I will be on investing.com. Okay. All right, and I will be on Inside the War Room. Speaking of China, I have an episode coming out this week about the fentanyl crisis. And we talked about Ooh. some of the stuff that comes from China. The guy actually went to one of the Chinese labs over there and, uh, yeah, talked to him. Ooh, so. that is cool. Actually, I lied. I'm actually going to be on another podcast um, on Thursday. I don't know when it's coming out, but I am going to be talking about the whole, like, will people start selling oil in non dot dollar denominated currencies. So if you are interested in more about that discussion, I'm I'm going to be having another discussion with a podcast called The Energy Show. There we go. All right. And you will be on Twitter right. talking about it so people can find you there at Energize Economy. With that, we'll be back next week. All right. <laughs>